Good morning. Well, like Andy said earlier, this is our last meeting for the semester. We are going to miss, I know, I would hiss too. We will miss you guys, but uh, look forward to seeing you again in January. January 15th, we'll start up at all the normal times, 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. But I uh, hope that finals finish well for you, and I uh, hope you have a wonderful time off. Uh, how many of you guys watch the show Mythbusters? Have you ever seen that? Okay. This past week, Mythbusters had a little incident happen. Some of you may have read about this. Let me just read a little bit of this article. The Discovery Channel show Mythbusters made a serious case for Don't Try This at Home when one of its science experiments involving homemade cannons went awry, crashing through a San Francisco area home and landing on a minivan during taping on December 6th. Now, nobody was hurt. Uh, here's what happened. They were, the, the cannonball took an unforeseen bounce from a safety berm, uh, and by unforeseen bounce, discovery means that the cannonball, which was between softball and cantaloupe size, according to various reports, missed the water vats, blew through a cinder block wall late Tuesday afternoon. Then, according to news reports and statements from the sheriff's office, the errant cannonball stormed off the set, headed over to a residential neighborhood, bounced off a sidewalk, tore through someone's front door, zipped up the stairs and through an occupied bedroom, blew out the back of the house, blasted over a six-lane thoroughfare, and skimmed the top of another house before brutally attacking a parked Toyota minivan. All right. Now, I read that, and I thought, man, what do you do if that is you? You're lying in bed, peaceful night, nice suburban house, and here comes an enormous cannonball ripping through your house, up the stairs, out the back of your house, hits your neighbor's minivan. That has to be one of those sort of life-altering moments for you, right? When all of a sudden you realize that uh, you are not quite as secure in your little nest as you thought you were. Uh, I wouldn't imagine it'd be something you would forget very easily. Uh, And it just, it made me think about the day that Jesus first came to earth. Now, uh, bear with me for just a second, because I think all of us can look back through our lives and uh, we can look at events that we would say, from that event forward, I was not the same. My life changed. Something burst into my life and turned me around. Maybe it was for you. You can think back at Christmas time and you go, I remember when I first learned that uh, mom and dad really filled up the stockings. I hope that's not news to anybody this morning, right? I know, sorry. And you go, wow, that was a life-altering moment. Maybe it was a moment when you first realized that that person you were interested in liked you, and all of a sudden your whole sense of self changed. Maybe it is when you had some sort of event in your life, like a death or a sickness of a family member, and you think, that changed my life from that point forward. And when we look back at the scriptures, and we think about Christmas, the sense we get reading the New Testament when we think about the coming of Jesus is that it was one of these kind of life-altering events, but not just for individuals, for the entire world. It's as if this cannonball had burst onto the scene, and from that moment on, nothing was the same. And the point's been made many, many times before this, but uh, we literally divide the calendar in two around when Jesus came. And I think a lot of times as we walk into the Christmas season, we don't see it in those terms. Christmas becomes a cozy story. 
A nice nativity scene. Like Jamie said earlier, some familiar carols. Right? We sing Frosty the Snowman and then we sing Silent Night. And they may as well fit together in our minds. And I think we're distracted as well. We're distracted right now. You guys distracted by anything? Finals, maybe? Uh, we get distracted by trying to get the right gift for the right people. We get distracted, some of us, by tense or difficult family situations. And in the midst of that distraction, we can lose the reality of what actually happened that first Christmas, which was a world-altering event. If you think about Christmas, and it doesn't rattle your cage just a little bit, you probably haven't really looked at it from the perspective of the New Testament. For a few minutes this morning, here's what I want to do is I want to look at Jesus from the perspective of the New Testament and particularly his entrance into the world. As we've been talking about the subject of heaven and hell this semester, we want to wrap that up by talking about Jesus as heaven's entrance into the world and in the hope of heaven that Jesus is for this world. And I think it should change the way that we act, the way that we speak, the way that we think during the holiday season. I think it should bring all of our activities to sort of a pinpoint focus, where even in the midst of the shopping, even in the midst of difficult family situations, even in the midst of finals, our minds and our hearts are focused and at peace because we recognize what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. So a few thoughts this morning about Jesus and his coming to earth. First one is this, Jesus came from heaven. Jesus came from heaven. Again, we've been talking about heaven and hell, but think about it. Jesus says in John that he's the only one that has been to heaven and now he has descended into heaven. That's John 6, 38. All right, but probably the most stunning passage in the New Testament on this subject comes from John chapter one. Turn over there for just a minute. John chapter one. And I'm going to start in verse 1, read down a few verses, and then I'm going to skip a little bit as well. I'll tell you where I'm going. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. All right, now hop down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. All right, now think about this for a minute. You and I originated from the earth, right? We were conceived in the normal way. We were born in the normal way. We are people of earth. But what John 1 tells us is that before time began, before God created the universe, here is Jesus and he is in heaven with God. He's eternal, he's timeless, and he is God. And yet what happens at Christmas is the word became flesh. The eternal, timeless, perfect son of God became flesh. So you look at that nativity scene and you see that baby and you say, that's a cute kid. That child is God. And I think that's a a truth that we tend to, uh, we sing about it and we talk about it, but if you pause for a moment moment and just reflect upon it, no one has ever seen God. You go back to the Old Testament. If God was going to speak to his people, 
He would tell the people, if you look at Exodus 19, when God gives the law to his people, he tells the people, everybody back up, get away from the mountain. We're going to put boundaries around it. If you touch that mountain where God is speaking, you're going to die. Make sure you're clean. Make sure you're pure on the day that I'm going to talk. Because if you're not, you're going to die. God tells Moses, no one can see my face and live. And yet here comes Jesus. And John 1 says, Jesus is the embodiment of God in the flesh. What does that tell us? That God reached forward to bridge the gap between us and him. And his holiness and his perfection and his love are wrapped up in that child. Tells us that God loves us. No matter what your family is like, some of you come from great families, healthy families. Others of you, you come from dysfunctional families. There's going to be some ugly things said and some uncomfortable moments. There's going to be some difficulty perhaps in your household this season. No matter what it looks like, the reminder of Christmas is that God loves you enough that he sent his son from heaven into this world because he wants you and me to know him because he cares. Think about the best Christmas presents that you've ever received. Maybe something big, maybe something small. The most excited I remember getting about a Christmas present was when I was about eight years old and I received a stapler. Now, this is going to sound ridiculous to you, but uh, there is actually a video of me at about eight years old that I wish didn't exist. And uh, my parents had given me this thing. I don't know why I wanted a stapler for Christmas. Who knows, right? Other kids are asking for like Star Wars stuff. I wanted a stapler. So uh, I get this thing, I open it up and you see me on the video and I'm just freaking out. It's a stapler, you know, and I'm, I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs, staple, you know, and uh, I don't know why to this day, but I do, every time I'm about to open a gift, my younger brother will go, Maybe it's a stapler, Matt, right? (laughs) Still makes fun of me for that, right? Now, some of you guys can remember that sort of childlike joy on Christmas morning from when you were a kid. You would run out and what's it going to be? And you would go to the tree. And I love getting to see that now in my own kids and on their faces on Christmas morning. And you can remember that. And my question is, when was the last time you experienced that sense of awe and joy and excitement about Jesus Christ, God's greatest gift? That you woke up on Christmas and you said, thank God that you didn't leave us alone. You sent him from heaven. And not only does Jesus come from heaven because God loves us, but then as we watch the life of Jesus, we see that he perfectly represents the values of heaven perfectly represents the values of heaven. That God sent Jesus, and one of the reasons he sent him was so that we would know what God cares about. The things that make him happy, the things that make him angry, the things he wants to give to us and for us to know. And so you see the teachings of Jesus, you read them, you see the miracles that he did, and it's a a testimony to the fact that God sent Jesus as his perfect representative into the world. Go over to the book of Colossians for just a minute. I'm going to read some of this passage that Alyssa read for us earlier. Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 15. Colossians 1 starting in 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Remember, as we've talked about heaven and hell, we've talked about how Jesus, in his teachings and in his miracles, gives us a preview of what God's kingdom is going to be like. And so he heals the sick and he heals the lame and he heals the blind to say, in God's kingdom, there will be no more sick, lame, blind. He forgives sin to say in God's kingdom, uh, those who are there will have their sins perfectly forgiven. And he teaches the truth about who God is. And Colossians says he is the representation of who God is because he is God in the flesh. That's Hebrews 1, 1 to 3 as well. He is the exact representation of his nature. God sent Jesus from heaven to represent his values. I was at Chick-fil-A this past week with my two kids. Actually, I think I may have been there with all three. And uh, while we were there, one of the most exciting things happened that can happen at a Chick-fil-A when you have kids, and that is the Chick-fil-A cow walked in the door. (laughs) Some of you guys still get excited by him, don't you? He walked in the door and uh, all the kiddos gathered around the Chick-fil-A cow and they're uh, hugging the cow. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl cow, so I'm not sure what uh, pronoun to use here. Hugging this cow and the cow is, you know, playing with them, patting their heads. And the cow, I thought, this cow is a representation of Chick-fil-A, right? The cow wants you to eat chicken. Uh, The cow is nice to the kids, loves them, hugs them. Uh, It wouldn't be right if you walked in and the cow shoved a kid off the slide, right? (laughs) Grabbed his chocolate milk, right? Cow would not be representing the values of Chick-fil-A. You and I, although we are called to be God's representatives, we don't do it well, right? We lie, we steal. We hate, we envy. We're impure with our thoughts and our bodies. And so we don't represent God's values as we're supposed to. And so God gives Jesus to say, uh, this is what it looks like to represent me. And then the great thing is that he calls men and women out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light to say, follow him. Do what he did. And he gives those who believe in Jesus, his Holy Spirit, to empower us for that task. And so now we have the opportunity as we walk into Christmas, you have the opportunity. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, you carry Jesus with you into your families, into those relationships with your old friends, into every setting you go. That should change the way you act. It should change the way you treat your siblings as you're sitting around the table, the way you speak to your parents, how you spend your time and your money. Maybe instead of spending all your time and your money thinking about what boxes you can put under the tree or get under the tree, maybe we spend our time serving those who have need, sharing the gospel, giving of our resources. It affects the way we act and think because we're called to represent God in the path of Jesus Christ, to follow his footsteps. And ultimately what we see, that baby in a manger, he came from heaven, he represents heaven, and then thirdly, he offers heaven. He offers heaven to those who believe in him. 
Every week we've talked about this as we've talked about heaven and hell, but if you're here and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you don't know that you are headed for eternity with him in heaven, you can know that this morning before you go home for the break. Simply by believing that, yes, you are a sinner, you've disobeyed God, you have violated his commands, and yet he gave his son Jesus. That baby in a manger grew up and died in your place, died in my place, and then rose again bodily rose again so that you and I can have eternal life if we believe. And for those who know him then, we are called to bring that message wherever we go, to represent him with our lives and to proclaim him with our lips. And I know some of you come from families where your parents, your siblings, they don't know Jesus yet. Most of us have family members, whether in our immediate family or extended family. All of us have friends and acquaintances who don't know Jesus, who go through the season and and they know about Santa and they know about Frosty and they've seen the nativity scene and they intellectually have an idea of what that means, but they don't know him. And our mission then, wherever we go, is to share the message of Jesus Christ who offers eternity, who offers the promise of heaven, I think the other way this affects us as you guys go into finals is this. Some of you are stressed right now about finals, ultimately because you're stressed about your future. You're stressed about where God might be taking you. Christmas is a reminder of this. Your future is secure if you've trusted in him. That doesn't mean you don't need to study for finals. Please don't call your parents. But it does mean this that we place everything in perspective of what God is doing in the world. That eventually he's going to restore everything, make everything the way it ought to be. So even in our studies, we seek to represent him, to do them well, so that we can reflect the God who made us with alert minds, with healthy bodies to represent him. And in the midst of our work and in the midst of our planning, We look around and we say, I want to represent and reflect Jesus with how I respect authority, with how I use my body and mind, with the things I say. I want to do that so the glory of God through Jesus Christ can be manifested to those around me. That's our mission. I'm going to finish here early and we're going to sing a few more Christmas carols before we go, but I just want to take a moment and I want you just to to brainstorm one or two people that you know you're going to see this Christmas, who need to know this message of Jesus Christ. Either because they don't know or they don't believe. Then how can you practically, one way you can practically, proclaim Jesus Christ this Christmas with your words, with your life, with your attitudes. Take just a moment, and then Jamie and the band are going to lead us in a few more songs as we close.